Ron and Anian. What if you're stuck in traffic in Wisconsin in, in the winter? I think it gets cold in Wisconsin in the winter. Oh, just a little bit. And and you're stuck in traffic and you got to stay warm, you got to have heat. How could you not notice a man sticking a banana in your tailpipe? The heat is old. The heat is old. The car doctor. It's a steel bolt and an aluminum block. Oh, boy. Um, we tried to heli coil it. I said, I can't promise you how long it's going to last because the hole actually has physical damage. When the bolt pulled out on him, it actually, you know, took a chunk of aluminum with it. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, the car doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Amy and the car doctor at the helm at 855-560-9900. Here to take your calls and answer your questions. Hold the applause. Let's get down to fixing cars. A lot going on this hour. Coming up down around the bottom, we're going to be joined by Mark Bogdansky. He is from Apex. We're going to talk about the recent Apex show out in Vegas and uh, some of the things that went on out there and some of the things we all missed by not being there. But um, just a good time. I thought it would be nice to try and bring Apex here to the airwaves. So we'll be talking to Mark. We are here to take your calls, though, at 855-560-9900. Cardoctorshow.com, I should point out, um, is our website. You can also get out there, and um, if you're not able to take the show on a live broadcast through an affiliate, you can find our podcast there, um, you know, download the podcast, or you know, subscribe to it, or favorite it, or however your podcast player you know links to it. But uh, uh, vis-a-vis Cardoctorshow.com, get out there. I believe it'll go take you down to Spreaker, S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R, Spreaker.com. And don't forget, there's a running in the Car Doctor Facebook page. Mr. Ray, how are you this afternoon? I was doing good. How's it about you? I'm good. Let me get going because we got a lot to go on and uh, talk about today. Wait, and, uh, wait, wait, wait. Let me come in there and wind you up. Yeah, I'm I'm all wound up. You know, I took a nap. The last hour I was kind of because I was – and now I'm like ready to go. Um, must have been that apple turnover I had. The sugar kicked in. Received the letter, which shows me that my listenership can read and write. Um, I'm only kidding, folks. Um, and I'm a little confused because I think Bob missed the point here. Uh, a couple of months back, I made some comments about John Deere, John Deere Tractor, and the right to repair. And the gist of it is that John Deere has placed, uh, at the time, and it has since been rectified, but I just want to clarify this so that, you know, I don't like to let anything go by. I, you know, I'm kind of like that. I don't want to let anything slide. I want to make sure there's clarity between us as we continue our relationship, you and I. Um, that, you know, Bob's sitting here saying that I made some disparaging comments about John Deere. Well, but, you know, it's it's not about, let me let me do this. Tom's got a clip for me. Tom, can you play the first clip that we talked about, about the John Deere article comments? came out this week from John Deere. John Deere has sent letters of opposition for legislators with bills filed. They're all saying the same thing, that anyone that allowing anyone other than John Deere dealerships to repair their vehicle, their equipment will result in the unsafe operation of its products, disruption of machine capabilities and performance, changes to emission controls, voiding of warranties, yada, 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 yada. And the problem with that will be that it's saying that if you're a John Deere tractor owner, and Bob, in his letter from Bob from Iowa, is talking about his he purchased a John Deere tw- 210 lawn tractor at an estate auction for $10, and he could get parts in an owner's manual. 
Yeah, I get it. That's great. We're not talking about lawn tractors. We don't care about lawn tractors. We're talking about, and if you, if you listen to the rest of the clips, good, Tom, what else you got? This is bigger than, you know, who's going to fix it. If you read this article, and what I want you to do is go out and Google John Deere Right to Repair Tractor Maintenance 2018 and look at this article, and I want you to read through it. And if you get far enough down the list without going, holy cow, or something worse, you're going to realize what they're saying is when the tractor breaks down in the middle of the 200-acre farmer's field or bigger, and they can't get a repair technician out there to fix it, and the farmer doesn't have the, uh, the, the, the training or the equipment or the knowledge or the repair procedure to repair it, the crop goes bad. Think about that. The crop goes bad. How long before the crop goes bad, there's a food shortage? And that's what this is about. This is about the impact at a national and an international level, if John Deere is overseas, in terms of how it affects world markets. Because something as simple as nobody can fix the tractor, but a John Deere dealership or employee or a John Deere service tech now has major implications. It just dominoes effects down the line. And there's one last clip, Tom, play it. If that tractor's in the middle of the field and it's stuck, it's broken, it's not operating, it's doing something wrong, farmers have been fixing their equipment in the middle of their fields <laughs> since before there was equipment, right? The horse lost the shoe. They shooed the horse in the middle of the field and they went back to work. I, I think this is ludicrous. I, I, I don't know what we're trying to accomplish by trying to lock them out because I, I've got to believe that you know, once again, like auto repair, there aren't enough John Deere dealerships to fix all the tractors if they broke. And what Bob continues with his letter, he says, Ron, last year I purchased a John Deere 210 lawn tractor at an estate auction for $10. Deere stopped making their 200 and 300 series of lawn tractors at the end of 87, but I was able to get a brand new owner's manual and a number of miscellaneous small parts for that 210 from my local John Deere dealer. By the way, it runs just fine. The wire that runs from the coil to the points had broken, and I replaced it with a wire from my junk pile. Also, the battery had frozen and was beyond help. Bob continues, unlike car manufacturers, Deere maintains part support for its products forever. If I had a 1940 vintage John Deere B farm tractor, and there are a number of them around here still running, usually in parades, and needed a part for it, I could still get it for what I need from my local Deere dealer, and it would probably be a special order, though. Unfortunately, Deere parts are a bit pricey. That green paint is expensive. Agreed. Years ago, I had a neighbor who'd pull old John Deere tractors out of tree lines where they'd been rusting for decades and then restore them to running condition. It was a hobby for him, and he never had a problem getting parts. By the way, most riding mower lawn tractors weigh around 350 pounds. My John Deere 210 weighs 750 and is about 15 to 20% bigger than an ordinary riding mower. The previous owner put a ball hitch on the back, and it was my 1970 vintage Dodge pickup truck box trailer around my farm look just fine. Yours, Bob Ackley from Emerson, Iowa. But Bob, the point isn't about fixing the lawn tractor, and it isn't about fixing old John Deere tractors. It's about the whole point of that problem with right to repair and the message I was trying to bring forward, and maybe it's my fault I didn't explain it correctly, but the message I was trying to bring forward is that this is about new John Deere equipment. At the time, John Deere was saying, hey, if you're driving or buying or operating a 2017, 18, 19 John Deere tractor and it breaks, nobody but a Deere technician can fix that. And that's a problem. 
because as I said then, as I say now, if the tractor's sitting out in the middle of a two, three, four hundred acre farm and it breaks and you have to wait days for that technician to get out there to fix it, the crop goes bad. Crops have to come in and out at certain times, right? I mean, it's the farmer that plans that out on a rotating schedule. And, and, and think of the implications of how that's going to affect it. The other part that I talked about in, in that conversation was that we've overcomplicated tractors. The problem is they're not like those 1940s John Deere B tractors. They're like cars. And when they stop, they stop. And there's no prodding, poking, no amount of chanting, tying bananas around the tailpipe for good juju and energy. None of that is going to bring that car back to life other than an electrician and an electronic part. So please, it's not about repairing the old stuff. I can get parts of my 72 Monte Carlo and my 55 Chevy all day long. Still haven't found the grill, but that's another story. But... It's the new stuff, and don't let don't let the smoke hide it from the mirror, all right? You know, we've all got to work harder at seeing what's being shoved down the pipeline, and whether it was even remotely related to what I said here on air or the efforts of a lot of other people that did it, this has since been repealed. The right to repair ban on John Deere tractors has been lifted, an article I read three weeks ago that talked about how it's now you're now able to get parts for the John Deere and they're they're opening it up so that others can work on it. Because it's a matter of you know, it's a matter of economic security. Hell, it's a matter of national security. Okay? It's just like cars. Imagine if the only people that could work on cars were dealer technicians. The the country would come to a literal screeching halt economically and and mechanically overnight it just couldn't be done there's no way to embrace or create a dealership network that would exist that would allow them to do the volume of cars it's just it's just insane so don't i wasn't beating up john deere the old stuff i wasn't beating up the new stuff i was beating up the politics of it i was beating up the narrow-mindedness of people that are sitting there thinking you know what Free enterprise is the American way. I, I'm not going to get political and stand on my soapbox, but for this I am. All right? This is about free enterprise. This is about, you know, let the strong survive. Just give everybody a chance to fix and work and, and, and resolve problems, and the country would thrive. This narrow-minded downhill thinking is what's got us to the point now where, well... Now I am getting political. You know what? The problem solved. It's not about old tractors. It's about new stuff. And understand what right to repair is. It limits mechanics from the automobile side now still in what they can work on and how they work on and forces some hard economic decisions based on manufacturer demands. My interpretation, my opinion, and last time I checked, my opinion still counts. I'm an American citizen. 855-560-9900. Running into the car doctor. Coming back right after this. Guess who's back? Uh-huh. Book them, Dano. <laughs> God, I'd like to say that just once. How are you, Walter? Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor at your service, sir. We didn't think we'd hear from you until after Thanksgiving, but um, I guess yeah, you, well, I guess you missed us. You know, my luck with working on Volkswagens. Well, I, you know, Walt, what do I tell you? VW stands for. 
I think I forgot. What was it? Uh, virtually worthless. Come on, shame on you. So, you know, it's, <laughs> I just uh, wanted to hear you say it again. You know, I really yeah, you know, it's listen. Volkswagens are great for the economy. You can't buy enough parts in a single day for them. It's just, um, <laughs> it's just like a big sales boost. So, what do you got yourself into trouble with now? Okay, I'm going to quickly read what I sent on the email. That way, I won't miss anything. Okay, it said, "Ron, sorry, but I'm at a loss." Uh, DTCP0098, which is the Volkswagen code, or and a P00113, which is an OBD code. The IAT intake air temperature sensor two circuit high. The never ever worked IAT sensor, not my install. I didn't install it. Someone else told her that I'd fix it. I checked it out with my launch scanner, which I love, and a multimeter ohm resistance test and bench tested with a heat gun for resistance lowering lowering when heated. All tests good. Reference voltage is 4.6 at the sensor and at the ECM. And then I put a note, uh, why is the ECM not with the engine? You would think that's where it would be, but it's under the dash. Of course. Nothing changed when wiggling wires. There are no other codes, no symptoms. The check engine light comes on each time I reset after a couple cycles. I'm at a loss. If you were to short across the Two wires coming up to the intake air temp sense, Walt? I get a 300-degree, uh, well, actually 290-something degree reading from the launch. So you, 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 you get a change. If if it yes. if it goes if it shows open you go to zero right or uh, zero degrees and if you if you short across it, it, it it shows a temperature reading. Yes, it does. So it sounds like it's good wiring and good interpretation. Then my next question is, but when you plug it into this sensor, it reads what? Uh, well, with it, uh, with the launch, it reads within a you know ten or fifteen degrees of what the ECT is. Okay, but you're and you're still getting the fault. Yes. And if you clear the code, it comes back right away. Well, no, it it, it goes a couple cycles, maybe you know three or four starts, and before it comes back. Um. Did you happen to look at freeze frame to see when or how it occurs? What I'm trying yeah, to... Yeah, I looked through... Go ahead. I did look through the freeze frame data, and I could find nothing in there that was unusual at all. Everything seemed pretty normal. Not seemed. Everything was normal. Uh, then the next question I've got is what makes... You know, what was the original complaint? What led us to change the intake air sensor just because they had this fault code? Apparently so. Do we have the old one? No, I don't. Yeah, that would make it easy. Uh, you know, because then my next question is, although I don't think this is going to be the intake air temp sensor, um, you know, my question becomes, what's, uh, um, you know, what, what brand is this? And it's easy to pick on the part, but... Uh, it's an aftermarket, I'm sure. Right. It, she didn't get it at the Volkswagen dealer, because, well, they're $90 at the Volkswagen dealer, and they're only like $30 you know, aftermarket. Right, but, you know, where are they made aftermarket? Are they made in the glorious state of China? Um, Most likely. Right. But that's probably where Volkswagens are made, too. So. Yeah, but I'll tell you what. It seems like the OE manufactured parts that come out of China are made to a higher standard. I'm not sure I how they... I think you're right. I, I'm not I sure how they... I think you're right there, too. Listen, I bought Motocraft brake pads not too long ago. Ford, Motocraft, made in China. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, so, you know, Ford's either... 
you know, I think they pay for a higher level of skilled worker, or um, you know, it's just different blueprints, and they can they I can think create quality a bunch control of is yeah. the issue. Yeah, I, I think do. Ford I probably that. sends their own quality control people over there. You know, so let's break the code down. P double O ninety eight is a problem. It's seeing the intake air temperature sensor. The circuit's high. It's not seeing proper voltage return. All right, yeah, it's reading more than five. Uh, Five volts. Right. It it's, it's it's well. It's it's supposed to see. Um, you know, there's a. I believe there's a. Isn't there a five volt signal coming out of the PCM, and then the sensor's supposed to pull it down low, and then as the yeah. as as the sensor changes, um, you know, at like thirty degrees Celsius, you're gonna have like fifteen hundred ohms resistance. At eighty degrees Celsius, you're gonna have two seventy five. So it's gonna change the voltage signal. Um, uh, you know, as the intake air temp goes up, the resistance value is gonna change. Um, yeah, and you so should we'll see go, a decrease. As the right. heat goes up, the resistance will go down. Right. Um. Um. You know. So we're looking to see. That's another. The reference voltage is four point six, both at the ECM and at the sensor. Uh, so, I, it, it, they say, it says it's supposed to be a five percent reference or five volt reference. Is yeah, that, that's uh, that's that's the industry's way of saying five volt reference. I I wouldn't I wouldn't flag that by eye. Um, me either. Uh, you know, it's 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 within it's it's within industry accepted standard. Um, uh, but here's the thing I don't understand. If the sensor is unplugged, all right, an open okay. circuit, scan tool, the scan tool should show minus 40 degrees Celsius. Let's work in Celsius. It shows minus 38. Okay, that's so good. We're in the same neighborhood. And, and if you put a jumper wire between the two wires, you should see 140 degrees. Uh, it's, it goes much higher than that. When right. I jump and it goes almost to three hundred. Right. So is that is that the way the scan tool is interpreting it, which I don't think it is? Or and you know, I've just I'm not picking on launch, but I just you know, I just want to be sure now, or am I actually seeing a real number? Do you have a source yeah, for Don't you dare pick on launch. No, no, well, you know, I listen, <laughs> you know, it's like I, I've, I've, got, I've got 18 scan tools in the shop for a reason, because if one gives me funny numbers, I go look at the next one. Yeah. Um, you know, do we have access to a different scan tool? Yes, I do. I have an uh, Innova. Okay. Will that read data stream? Yes, it should. Okay. I've never used it on the Volkswagen, to tell you the truth. Yeah, yeah. I've only used it on American cars. O OBD is OBD, but let's go read okay. Let's go read intake air temp sensor there and um, okay. see what that does. But we're looking for somewhere around 140 degrees Celsius, Walter. And if you, if you don't see that, then maybe get to the PCM itself, find those two wires, break them there, put a place where you can solder it together, jumper across it there. Is there a problem in the harness or a problem in the PCM? And I'm sure you'll call me back. Good luck, buddy. Mark Bogdansky, Apex, is coming up next. I'm running in in the car, Doctor. Don't go away. When the family car needs some fixing, there's only two things that really matter. Getting the right part and getting some good advice. It's a pretty safe bet that with over a million parts in stock, Pep Boys has the right part right now. The Pep Boys pros are extensively trained to find the right part for just about any car or truck. Better yet, these pros can also handle the entire installation or service needed. It's always good to have options and know the Pep Boys pros have it covered either way.
Ron and Amy in the car, Doctor. We're back. You know, Apex just happened. Apex, the big show out in Vegas, and a lot of people have asked questions. A lot of you have written in and said, hey, Ron, what is Apex and what goes on out there? So we thought we would reach out to Mark Bogdansky. He is the Senior Director of Meetings and Events for the Auto Care Association, and um, he's responsible for a lot of things that go on out there, and uh, he's one of the go-to guys. We thought we'd uh, invite him up here on the car, Doctor, and uh, get some answers. Mark, welcome to the show. How are you today? Good. Thanks for having me, Ron. Um, for all the listeners that don't know, what does APEC, and kind of, I, I think I know this, but what does APEC stand for? And, um, you know, exactly how does APEX help the automotive industry? Sure. So APEX is the Automotive Aftermarket Products Expo. And we are the place for anybody in the automotive aftermarket to come and learn about what's going on in our industry every year. And, and and the show just keeps growing, right? I mean, I hear stories. I haven't been out there in a couple of years now myself, but I hear stories that, you know, it's just it's you just can't see everything in the week. Yeah, it, it is growing. You know, we bring out about 170,000 people to Vegas over the course of the week. We have 2,500 companies. Uh, we take over an entire building, a couple of floors, more companies than you can imagine, more people than you can imagine. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing to see and uh, more products than you could possibly want to check out. And I guess if, if you want to go next year, which is, it just happened, so it's a year away, you should start planning now and make your hotel reservations now, right? Yeah, you can start planning now. You can start making hotel reservations now, flight information now. You know, but it's never too late, and uh, it's never too soon, never too late. So right. we have we have packages and plans, so people who decide last minute, they want to come by all means. Uh, it, there's a lot of, you know, it's, it's a lot of product, but it's a lot of education, right, Apex? Um, what sort of educational sessions were part of it this year, and what do you think the people were learning? What did they walk away with? Yeah, we, we really do, um, we, we try to make sure that we, educate across the board. So we're doing stuff on what people are seeing in the next couple of years, all the way down to doing some underhood training on cars that you're seeing in the shops right now, to things you're going to see in the shops in the next couple of years, to things that can help, you know, business management, to help your business grow, to help manage your business, to help it general uh, generationally to move on to the next generation, help planning, and all that kind of stuff. Just getting everybody ready for the future. For those of you just tuning Absolutely. in, we're talking to Mark Bogdansky. He is the Senior Director of Meetings and Events for the Auto Care Association. We're talking about Apex today. Um, new topics this year, right, Mark? Um, what was covered this year? Because, I, And I guess there's new stuff every year, but I'm just curious. I heard some things this year about electric vehicles were yeah, discussed. Yeah, you know, we're we're constantly working on the technology. We're constantly keeping the industry ahead of the curve. The two there were two main new things that I think we saw this year. One is a lot on alternative fuel cars. So that's electric cars, it's hydrogen cars, it's uh propane cars. So we brought in the experts and they spent three days teaching guys under the hood of cars how to actually work on these cars and how to uh how to repair these cars. And these are the guys who are actually training Tesla how to work on their electric cars, which was great. The other new thing we, we really worked on this year is called the Secure Vehicle Interface, or SVI. And that's something that allows, it's a uh, cyber secure thing that allows the consumer uh, 
access to the data that your car is generating, and then which in turn allows the consumer to decide where they want that data to go. So whether they want to be able to control it and work on it, work on a car themselves, or if they want to be able to control it to have it go to their own uh, shop, as opposed to just having the uh, manufacturer control that data themselves. Those were the two really big new things that we saw this year. You know, you make an interesting point about the OE manufacturers. There, there's always a large number of OEM attendees at Apex every year, right? Absolutely. So, you know, you've got the OEs involved in an, in an automotive aftermarket event, right? I mean, that's what Apex is. Um, how are the new car makers connected to that? I mean, it's new well, car makers. want to learn how we're doing it better. Is, is that what it is? No, you know, we have, look, the OEs are buying from a lot of the aftermarket companies. Um, you know, they're still, they're customers of ours. And so um, we have a lot of them walk on the floor trying to find products that they want to then bring back to their own uh, to their own shops and that they're going to wind up putting in, you know, later on down the road for themselves. So I guess, you know, the car companies, they don't really make anything. They're just buying the parts and putting it together. Yeah. In a sense. Um, it yeah. It's, boy, that's interesting. And just think you guys are the hub of it all. Um, you know, that's what Apex is. Uh, some of the featured companies this year. I mean, you, you look back now, the show's happened. It was about two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Um, when you look back in your mind now and you, you run that Rolodex in your head, what were some of the featured companies and products? What, what, what got your attention and what were the big things this year for Apex? Yeah, I'd say a few things really come to mind. Uh, Interstate Batteries promoted a new IB Pulse, which is a new tester that allows technicians to actually scan a VIN number um, on the car, and it allows them to then test the battery really quickly and effectively. Um, Omen announced this new digital inspection mirror which allows them to, which allows technicians to now see parts of the engine that they can only feel before um, and it allows them to actually upload videos onto their phone which is going to allow them to share with customers which I think is huge for the industry. Um, Gates has this new serpentine kit which they really built off of input from repair shops which I think is going to be great for repair shops to be able to um, work on preventative repairs for vehicle owners. And we were talking about electric cars. Uh, ZF Aftermarket actually through TRW has developed some brake pads specifically for electric vehicles under their Electric Blue brand, which uh, premiered this year at Apex, which were huge. So those and, are the ones that really came to mind. And, and keeping in mind that you know Apex is the home of the aftermarket and the aftermarket companies are helping the OEs build cars, you know, those aftermarket parts aren't really so bad, are they? Um, Not at all. They're, they, are, they are the way to go. If you, if you need something, they're the way to go, whether you're going to do it yourself or have, uh, or have a shop do it for you. Yeah, interesting. Boy, it's always an education. I learn something new in this business every day. Um, I really do. Mark Bogdansky, Apex, I appreciate you taking the time today. Where can the listeners go get more information? Check out our website, www.apexshow.com. Uh, you can learn about what you've missed this past couple of weeks at Apex and what we're going to be doing next year for next year's show. And I invite you to come next year and, and anybody else. But I think it would be great for you to come out and do a live spot from next year's show. Well, hey, listen, that's always a possibility. Mark, we appreciate you uh, taking the time. We know you and the folks at Auto Care Association have a lot going on. Um, let's sit down and talk about that. Maybe we'll kick that around, all right? Sounds good, Ron. You take good care. I'm Ron Anany and the Car Doctor. We are back right after this.
whether it's a little red Corvette or a Yugo, you've come to the right place to get that car fixed. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Now, back to Ron. Hey, let's get out over and talk to uh, Jack in Delaware, 95 Pontiac Grand Am. Jack, you're on with the Car Doctor, sir. How can I help? Okay, thanks for taking the call, uh, Ron. You're hey, welcome. Ron, here's the problem. Uh, I bought this car uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago. Uh, little old lady, one owner, uh, 56,000 miles on it. Perfect shape, except for the uh, last couple of years, she skidded a little bit on her garage door. But other than that, perfect car. All right. Um, it starts overheating, and uh, we get this problem, and... I eventually I got it for my daughter, but uh, eventually I take it to a to a shop down here. He's got it for two or three weeks. He's replacing just about everything. He's he's diligently trying to find a problem, and um, I kind of suspected it might have been heater core. That's what it turned out to be. But the whole cooling system was loaded with mud. I don't think the antifreeze was ever changed. Which which engine which engine is this, Jack? The three one or the the four cylinder? Oh, I'm sorry. This is a 2.3 to four-cylinder, but okay. the four-valve. Gotcha. Okay, this is the um, quad quad four. Quad four. Oof. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for saying. Yeah. Oof. Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, long story short, these guys really did a good job trying to find it, work on it, and then when they did the water pump, they said um, they said we're going to do the water pump. Okay, so you got to drop the exhaust manifold. That's fun after 23 years. Oh yeah, that's really easy to do. Sure. Yeah, I said, please be careful. They were. They didn't bust the bolt or anything. God bless them. Put the new water pump in. Eventually, we get the whole problem. That, that didn't help it, but it, it eventually came to the heater core. We got the whole problem solved. Um, he, he, he said, uh, it's the heater core. Put the heater core in, and as it turns out, it, it, when he went to put the water pump in, it doesn't take a regular water pump gasket. It takes like a donut that nobody has. Dunkin' Donuts doesn't have this donut. How could that be? No, <laughs> no, nobody's got this donut. He, and, he, and he had the car for about three weeks. And finally, one of his techs said, you know, I think I can kind of massage this thing and get it to work, which he did. And it lasted for about six months. It's okay. starting to leak again. Here's my, I'm sorry for the big long no, harangue here. Go but ahead. Here's my question. You think this, and I, because I've tried, I've been all over, I can't find this donut. You think, um, you think K-Seal could help me out there? I don't you think, think so. Well, it, it sort of depends on what they did to repair it. If they packed it with RTV or some other material, you know, if they tried to make a gasket, uh, you know, before you go that route, do this. Uh -huh. Let me give you a part number. You got a pencil? Yes, I do. 1236-0427. 1236-0427. O four two seven is the GM Delco. It's the GM original equipment water pump gasket kit part number for that vehicle. Twelve thirty six O four two seven. I remember the part number clearly. It's got several long gaskets in it. It's got some exhaust donuts in it. It's got some O rings in it. It's this whole package. And I don't remember it being a lot of money, forty, fifty bucks back in the day, um, because you're right. To do all this, a lot has to come apart. It was a real bad design. Um, oh yeah. You know, it was it was it back. That was back in the days when GM stood for giant mistakes. And you know, see if Google that number, one. You know, twelve thirty six oh four two seven. And if if it looks like the gaskets in there, I'm sure you'll get images of it. Um, I know parts houses have it. Uh, you know, I, I, I know it's not completely disappeared yet, 
You know, now, right. it, you know, it's just a matter of distribution. If he was looking, and I'm not knocking him, I'm glad to hear, you know, that he did such wonderful things. But a lot of guys forget about Delco and GM Original Parts. If he was looking at Felpro, for example, I don't, mm -hmm. I don't think Felpro has that kit anymore. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, depending upon who's gas, and, you know, it's, it's a funny thing, but gaskets do you remember when there was a half a dozen different gasket makers in the industry now it's <laughs> yeah, now right. it's down to felpro yeah mally maybe um i think that's it and then the oe stuff you know I, mm -hmm. I, I remember you know victor is victor still around i haven't seen victor gaskets in a million years um you know but yeah i would i would try that and see if it's there um and if that doesn't do it um, if that doesn't do it, then I've got it. You got to try and find some new old stock, whether it be through a GM dealer, because GM dealers will, you know, they'll they'll still repair that somewhere. Uh, I'm sure some dealers got that gasket set sitting on a shelf. But well, you know, I, I I can tell you this. I ordered it. I did. I I eventually found it. I ordered it from Rock Auto. I got the box in, and uh, it came with all the uh, all the other gaskets. And it came with the uh, uh, the exhaust manifold gaskets. All of that stuff came came with. It looks like a donut for the exhaust, but not the gasket you need. Uh, the only thing I have is I have like a square cut gasket. It doesn't resemble a donut. It just resembles a a pretty good size O ring, but it's square cut and it has a slit right through the middle of it. But according to what the fellas that worked on the car said, I'm looking for like a like a thicker kind of a donut, and that did not come with the kit. Okay, then we're then we're thinking of something else. So do this. Can you, you know, if you Google and you know, thank God for the internet. There's there's part yeah. sources out there. If you know, first thing I would do is find an illustrated guide, a blow up, you know, parts catalog of that particular gasket you're looking for. Uh -huh. And see if you can get a part number. If you can, if you can get a diagram that shows the gasket you're looking for, this gasket, this part number, then at least you can start looking. You know, because it's hard to walk into a part store and say, "Hey, I need this yeah. donut gasket." Um, you know, exactly. they, they they need a point of reference, something to work from, and then at that point, uh, you know, you can you can either find it new old stock or or you know whatever sources ever means auctions, uh, flea markets, etc. So right. Um, right. Uh, do that, and if that doesn't work for you, then I'm going to tell you. Call me back, and we'll 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 get a little more creative. I can talk to some guys behind the scenes at GM and see what I can find. But you've got to find that gasket. That's going to be critical to it because I don't think K Seal, as good a product as K Seal is, it's not a gasket substitute. And I don't want to tell you that exactly. it is to get you to buy a right. bottle. All right, sir. Thank you, Ron. You're very You're welcome, very Jack. Helpful. You're very Great welcome, Jack. Too. Keep me posted. Thank you, sir. Glad to be here for you. 855-560-9900. Ron Annie, the car doctor. Coming back right after this. Is technology wonderful? Ron and Andy, the car doctor here. I'm in studio watching the shop on camera because I'm a little neurotic, and I just like to keep the shop under my eye. An Amazon parts driver shows up, and he slides a, slides a poster that I purchased underneath the fence. It's sitting now in the middle of the parking lot, and I guess it's going to sit there till Monday. You know, Amazon, great business idea. You need to improve the drivers. Bill in Michigan. How are you today, Bill? I appreciate you uh, reaching out like this. You have some comments regarding our last caller? Uh, correct, Ron. I've had very good luck locating uh, obsolete General Motors parts from a place called Vintage Parts in Wisconsin. Okay. 
Sometimes uh, they're tough to deal with because you've got to go through a dealer, but that's where all the old GM stuff ends up. They buy from the dealer and from GM. And, and that's the name of it, Vintage Parts? Yep, correct. V- Vintage Parts, Wisconsin, okay. Because that, 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 that seems a little weird, right, that you can't get this one particular gasket. There's still got to be a bunch of quad fours out there. You'd think, wouldn't you? You, you would think. Um, so, but uh, listen, Bill, as always, I appreciate you reaching out. I saw your call come in. I said, you know what, let's call Bill. Um, if anybody knows the GM part source, he will. So uh, um, I appreciate it. All good with the cars? All the cars behaving themselves? Ron, God bless it. <laughs> so, yeah, right. You feel fortunate when those things occur. Right, that's right. I know, I know, Bill. Hey, listen, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, and uh, thanks for being such a big part of the Car Doctor family all these years. You Thank take you. good care. You're very welcome, sir. Wow, that was a quick two hours. All the hours go by quicker. Tom, you look a little older. I'm not sure why. Um, you got a little less gray hair. It's because I work with you. So you have a little less hair. Um, well, you came in that way. That's right. I knew there was something missing. So, hey, um, listen, thanks to everybody. We appreciate you guys being there. And um, you guys, everybody, have a good holiday and a good Thanksgiving. Eat a lot, rest a lot, have a lot of fun, spend time with the kids. Until the next time, I'm Ron and Annie in the Car Doctor reminding you, good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See ya. See ya.